Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Danny Polischuk. He's a writer, YouTuber, comedian, and a podcaster. I was on tour in New York, so I stopped in to see one half of the boys cast and work out why hundreds of thousands of people were drunk in Manhattan and dressed as Santa. Expect to learn why Instagram banned Danny from their platform and how it might have been my fault, what's happening with Britney Spears and Taylor Swift lately, whether Danny thinks getting a vasectomy to save climate change is a good idea, whether we've gone too far with being too protective from germs and pathogens, what the future of comedy looks like, and much more. Recently, I went and got a gut microbiome analysis, and one of the products that they suggested I start using was a colostrum product. The brand they recommended was Armra, so I actually decided to partner with them. I've started drinking it with a cold glass of water on a daily basis, and it improves my gut health. That's really important for me. I'm kind of focusing on gut health at the moment, and Armra's colostrum product is literally what my doctor suggested that I should get. Unlike most colostrums, Armra leverages their proprietary process that guarantees the highest potency and bioavailability of any colostrum available on the market. They've got thousands upon thousands of five-star reviews, offer a 30-day return policy, and you can get 15% off your first order by going to tryarmra.com slash modernwisdom and using the code modernwisdom at checkout. That's tryarmra.com slash modernwisdom and modernwisdom at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Gymshark. You want to look good and feel good when you're in the gym, and Gymshark make the best men's and girls' gym wear on the planet. Their studio shorts for men are the best pair of training shorts I have ever found in my entire life. Their crest hoodie in light grey mal is what I fly in every single time that I'm on a plane, and their geo-seamless t-shirt is what I've been training in every single day for over a year now. Basically, everything they make is unbelievably well-fitted, high-quality, and you get 30 days of free returns globally with global shipping plus a 10% discount site-wide. If you want to see everything that I wear and recommend for guys and girls, head to bit.ly slash sharkwisdom. That takes you to my super secret product page and you can use the code MW10 at checkout for a 10% discount plus that 30-day free returns. That's bit.ly slash sharkwisdom and MW10 at checkout. I am a massive fan of sweet things, but also a fan of trying to be healthy wherever I can, which is why I've started using Manukora honey. Manukora comes from New Zealand, where the bees only feed on the nectar of the Manuka tree, making honey that's filled with three times more antioxidants and prebiotics than the typical honey you get at the supermarket. But most importantly, it tastes outrageous. It's got this sort of creamy caramel texture on oatmeal or oats in the morning. It is insane. If you put it on toast, if you put it in your coffee, all of these things, it, it tastes fantastic. The bottom line is that these nutrients support your optimal immune system and digestive health. Plus, you can get $25 right now off their starter kit, which comes with their best-selling honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and a free guidebook by going to manukora.com slash MW to get $25 off. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash MW to get $25 off your starter kit today. But now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Danny Polischuk. Danny.
Tony Polishok. Hey, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm excellent. It's SantaCon at the moment. Mental. What is that? Uh, it's This is actually the first year I've ever been here for it. Every other year, I've somehow managed to avoid it. But basically, the worst people you know dress up like Santa Claus, and they get hammered. Like, it's what time is it right now? It's like 3 o'clock? Yeah, half so three. This, Yeah, so they get hammered in the afternoon. Like, did you see the lines? For the bars, like bars right now are at it's like uh, St. Patty's Day, kind of lines right so now. So it's what this like, like there was two there was Saturdays a bar before Christmas or something, I guess. Yeah, and uh, but it's yeah yeah I guess, and uh, it's like like there's lines literally bending around the corner for just pubs, and everyone's dressed up. Everybody's dressed up. Everybody's getting like really drunk in the afternoon. Comedy on Santa Santa Con Day is like generally Shit really show. bad. Yeah, it's really bad because everybody shows up wasted. And uh, fights. Like, what's the like, demographic of people that attend SantaCon? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, you know what? It's pretty diverse. It's like, I was looking around. Yeah, it's like you're looking. You're like, it's a bit of everybody. It's pretty wild. But uh, yeah, so because it took me like just uh, a lot longer to get over here from my house, and mm. I was wondering, I'm like, what is going on? And then I start kind of, you know, I was listening to like my my audio book, and I'm looking around and I see all the Santa Claus hats. I go, and then when I got this out, doesn't of, seem right. Yeah, yeah, but then when I got out, I go, oh, okay, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Have you got your IG back yet? No. What's happened? Not. Tell us the what's the story. Essentially, what happened is there's a, like I know some people who are kind of high up, fairly in the world of technology. A lot of people have a lot of opinions, but essentially on October, we actually figured out last night, it might be as a result of you, actually. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we think that that's like my new uh, current theory. So right. on, on October 8th, I've had an Instagram account for 12 years, never had a post taken down, yep. nothing, no issues at all. And then on October 8th, I got, uh, I logged into Instagram and it says your account's permanently suspended for uh, sexual solicitation. Which is essentially what they get for like OnlyFans girls, right? Okay. I'm like, what the hell? This must be a mistake. I'm like, you know, oh, this must be a mistake, right? So I appeal it. And in Instagram, there's just like a blue button that just says, would you like to appeal? And I pr press the button. And then one minute later, they say, we've denied your appeal. And then uh, there's, but they say, if this is a mistake, uh, you can write a little like kind of blurb to mm -hmm. them. So I write a thing, I get it back. And I'd been posting some content, remember, like, basically the thing that you showed Douglas Murray, yes, yes, right? Yes, 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 About the... Gays uh, for Gaza. Gays for Gaza stuff, right? And I was making fun of those people. And uh, and you'd have to think that a lot of people who probably work in content moderation at Meta probably side more with those people than me, yeah, than the person making maybe. fun of those people, yeah. right? So anyways, I get it back. Two days later, exact same thing happens. I get suspended again, same thing. And I'm going pretty hard on, like, you know, posting about the Israel-Palestine conflict. Again, same thing happens, and then um, lo lo get it back again, though, and then on no November 8th, which would be one month ago, exact same thing happens. This time, though, I press that blue appeal button, lose one minute later, and there's no option for me to... Like, Three strikes and you're out. I guess, right? And so, and then we were talking last night... Uh, and because we were, he brought up the thing and then I went and you posted that thing on November 6th that went super viral. Now, I don't know if it's related because I was obviously having issues before that, but I have like a target on my the back. Douglas Murray fucking splash, splash zone, dirty zone. I guess, but, but at Meta, like they put a target on me. And so I have one friend who thinks either it's some content moderator there who just like doesn't like me, saw that I had a bunch of stuff like going viral. Mm. And they're just like, we got to get rid of this guy. Someone, my one friend thinks that maybe someone actually literally paid money because there's this whole black market, like underground economy with um, 
like Instagram and because I, I think it's related to the OnlyFans stuff because OnlyFans girls, they promote OnlyFans on Instagram, make tons of money. Then they get kicked off, but then they're happy to pay $2,000, which I have to pay to get, to maybe get my thing. But yeah, it's just like a tax for, yep. and they're happy to pay. They go, Wasn't there like rumors that these girls were offering to suck off? The yeah, there was. Well, that that apparently kind of put a, a wrench in things. This is the one girl who went on No Jumper and she's like, I've been kicked off like 10 times and I just keep going. Sucking like, dick. Yeah, like fucking some guy at Instagram and keep getting it back. And have you so, considered that? Ah, uh, that'll be up next. Yeah, that's my <laughs> that'll be my my hail mary because I'll tell you what. Break glass in case. Very difficult to be a working comedian without Instagram. Oh. I mean, it's that's where everybody kind of consumes. You know, you. It's funny because it used to be uh, probably ten years ago, maybe Twitter, and then but now Instagram, TikTok, those are the kind of places. I don't see any comedians doing shit on Twitter. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just not that kind of. I post like I posted my whole special. My most recent special, it's on Twitter. Oh, right, cool. And, you know, whatever, I have, like, a decent amount of views on it, but it just, that's not the place that drives people to maybe go see you live or consume your comedy content. It's a different type of person on Twitter. Mm. It's just a different, like, I was actually on the train over here, and I saw, I've been noticing it more because I take the train in New York. I'll look at, like, what people are doing on their phones, and very recently, I've noticed more people are on Twitter than ever before. I never used to see people on Twitter. Interesting. They'd be on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, or whatever. And now mm -hmm. I do actually see people on Twitter. But anyway, so I'm currently in the process of paying some guy, and then hopefully I get it back. Hey, if you know how to fix Instagram accounts, get in touch yeah. with Danny. The crazy thing is I've had a back. number of people say, like, I have a hook, like my friend works at, at meta yeah. or whatever and and then they're like yeah they they tried through their internal recovery system and they're like upholding your band they're like you really pissed somebody off dude i have a friend who was trying to get his o1 visa um to come over to america he already had his visa and was trying to flip it again again in like whatever the conservative leaning fucking world and someone somewhere did a thing like pressed a button that just delayed his entire visa by nine months <laughs> like you can like put a, a question in yeah yeah you could just yeah like a request for that's the same visa i have bullshit, you like, say like a request for more information yep, or nine something. months of just like hey get fucked you don't get to come back in the country yep yep yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, weird because i'm so i'm so non-conspiratorial with like most of the shit that i think about but then even at a low level like bullshit like that yeah. It's like, that's just some guy like that's got a vendetta it's, or is unhappy. Yeah. It's just someone saw something trending that was, uh, you, you know, because I had like, when I got kicked off, that's the thing. You only get kicked off once you're kind of popping off, right? And then, and then there's no one more. Cares about the person Nobody cares about the person. Followers. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but, but so, anyways, I had a few things and yeah, someone just sees something, go, I don't like this guy. I work at Meta. Go, and, go fuck and go fuck yourself. Yeah. And just, and I guess I'm not quite at that, you know, if you were, massive a million followers yep probably a little more there's difficult a, yeah there's a zone in the middle big enough to be noticed not so big that you can't reach people to like get it back. right and so and i mean a lot of people hear about it that i know and they're like because here's the craziest thing about the algorithm which people do not realize is the algorithm decides what you see right obviously because it's not like um chronological but because it decides what you see people are so programmed that like so when i got deleted People don't know my account's deleted. I'm just, they just forget you exist, yeah. right? They don't know you're gone. Like literal family and stuff. Like my 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 fiance's cousin was like, why hasn't Danny posted anything in a month? 
Like she messaged her. She goes, why hasn't Danny been posting anything? And she's like, oh, he got kicked off. And it's the same as someone dying. It's like the digital equivalent of being kind excommunicado. Of, yeah, it's like excommunicated, but like people don't even, unless they're like the diehard, diehard fans. And they're, they're looking like, for your account. They're like looking and then they look, but otherwise, I mean, and not even that. So some people were, I was getting DMs being like, is this actually you? They don't even believe it. Jesus like they're God. like, they don't even, you know, and I, even in my bio it says like, yes, deleted, this is me. Blah, blah, blah. And then, but you're not verified anymore. And so it's, it's mental. Wow. Yeah, so that's crazy. We'll see. I had, uh, I had Whitney Cummings on the show about a month ago and I was super impressed with her. Like, yeah, I, she's, I didn't, she's great. She, very, very impressive. She said to me before I went on tour, in order for art to imitate life, you have to live a life. Yeah. And it was her explanation for why comedians just talk about airports, dinner and comedy. Yep. Because if you're on the road, that's all you know. And this was a month ago. And since then, all I've done is be on the road for one full month. All <laughs> yeah. I've done is be on the road. And I've found myself having conversations with my friends about all that I've got to talk about is like airports and check-in and yeah. luggage and shows and what I had for dinner last night. And that's it. I mean, when that's your life, that's your life, right? It's so strange. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I know, like it's, sometimes you will have a joke, something happens at the airport and you're like, Ugh. It's the most comedian comedy ever. Right? And you're like, but this is, a, it still is funny. But yeah, it, it is that kind of thing where you're like, yeah, you have, and that, that's why I do try and make a point of doing stuff, you know, like you tra traveling and having a life and like traveling not for comedy, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of comics were like, yeah, I'll go somewhere if I'm doing a show. But did than, you do Asia recently? Uh, recently, no. I've been, I've been to Southeast Asia though. I spent, right. I spent uh, like 15 years ago. I spent a lot of time there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see. But yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about that. I can kind of see, I know that it's, everyone hates it. It's like comedians just talking about comedy and oh, you, you know, the, the crowd and the venue and all the rest of the stuff. But if that's like the fucking, front and center of your life yeah what else is there i will say the one thing about twitter which there's like this compulsion which i'm sure you've had and i try to avoid it at all costs is to publicly blast some company like that's wrong to you because you're like i don't even know if there's any real reason to have twitter other than the pot like to be able to call out to American call Airlines. out yeah you know be like oh and sometimes they're like oh they really and you're like i could yeah really just make a stink right now and yeah feel it's like a, you get a dopamine rush feel righteous yeah as you do it it's it's i don't know there's definitely an upper bound on how many times you can get away with doing that there used to be a, an account called at djs complaining yeah which was just all of like tiesto like arguing <laughs> with his bags not being allowed to yeah. be in carry on and stuff like that and the problem is sometimes it does work yeah. So then you're kind of uh, positively reinforced to yeah, argue again. Yeah, yeah, keep, you know, keep going. It's the it's the internet equivalent of do you know who I am? Yeah, exactly. It's the Twitter equivalent of yeah. And I mean, if you're a big enough account, some some airlines like oh, we don't need this bad publicity. Yeah, but really, what's going to happen? They're going to the guy that looks after the social media is going to find the flight that you're on and like tweet the air hostess to say hey, make sure that he's allowed to have his nuts or you should right, give yeah, him a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I, the outcome is nothing. Yeah, it's, and it, normally they're like weather delays, you know, where it's actual frustration, where like they can't do something like, you know. It's, Shaking I, I, your I, hand I, at the fucking moon. I'm not trying to defend airlines, but sometimes these, you know, it is like a pointless thing. Obviously, sometimes uh, they do lose your luggage and It stuff, is kind but. of the equivalent of like an internet Karen in a way to just be like, ah, yeah. I am fucking 
Well, logistics. <laughs> I guess the ideal scenario is you tweet a thing and then their stock price drops 10%, you know, and you're like, I just cost them $4 billion. Who was it? That, was it Cristiano Ronaldo that moved a Coke can? I think away from in front of him. Was it Cristiano Ronaldo? Oh, and like replace it with like a Gatorade or something? Yeah, yeah, like there was a Coke can in front of it. I'm sure it was Cristiano Ronaldo maybe a couple of years ago. And he like just got the can and moved it out of shot. And their stock price (laughs) plummeted. Dude. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo. Fucking knew it. I knew it. Um, Have you been watching the Britney Spears arc recently? Yeah, I mean, I I was day one being like, they should not be removing this conservatorship. From from the jump, so this is very much chickens coming home to roost. I mean, she obviously. Have you ever heard the the saying with ki- child stars, where, like, the point that you become super famous is the point where you stop developing, like, mm. as a person. Arrested so, development, essentially. So it's like that's why Michael Jackson was like a thirteen year old. Interesting. So she's like a six year old. She was like super, you know, Disney Club, whatever, Mickey Mouse Club, and like maybe whatever she got really famous. But she's like a child. And then, uh, and you, it kind of tracks, not for everyone, obviously, but it kind of does track. But yeah, she, she, like you see, I don't know if she's on medication or anything, but you can just see it in the eyes. She either is or should be. Yeah, but you can see it in the eyes. Like there's there's not a lot of activity in the eyes. It's so it's, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Like I don't follow her, but you know, you just stuff surfaces. My fiance constantly, my fiance loves her and constantly because- Loves her or just, is like watching it like a slow motion car crash? honestly chicks like uh they know not like a slow motion car crash like uh, if you're like most girls are pretty empathetic and emotionally tuned in and can see what's going on how do you not look at britney and go this person needs some fucking help and also needs to stop posting selfies of her dancing in her hallway yeah yeah and she looks mental i I mean the one with the knives that ended up being like the meme and stuff britney spears (laughs) puts aside family drama to post a racy instagram video of her running her hands over her body while promoting victoria's secret bras and underwear yeah it's like i've watched this video yeah yeah. it's like her in bed yeah my my girl sent that to me she she just said what the fuck is going on but when they say promoting like victoria's secret's like you don't have anything. Yeah, we were like, we don't have anything to do with this. <laughs> I'm just wearing it. Yeah, yeah, just wearing it. Same way as if we just were wearing like Calvin Klein's. It's like Calvin Klein podcast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she seems like she's got something uh, mentally going on. I don't know. Like, does she tour anymore? Does she have like a residency? I don't know. I don't think that she's done a show in in a while, a very long time. Yeah. But here's the other thing: all of her videos are filmed on what looks like a 2011 BlackBerry. Yeah. Which doesn't give like sane. No. It's like that, like the Android. Pack. Yeah, 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 totally. Come on, I don't know. Man. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what needs to happen with her so that people are concerned. But you know, it's it sounds like she had this conservatorship for a reason. A reason. Yeah, yeah, there was a real reason for it. And uh, but you know, when the tides turn in public perception. Yeah, that's true. People want to kind of get behind the person who has an overbearing parent and, and father specifically. It's like man versus woman in this yep. as well. Yeah, it, it ticks all of the boxes. Yeah. So. Did you see? Do you know a uh, Meat Canyon? Do you know that guy? He does those uh, illustration videos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's got a second channel called Papa Meat, which is pretty good. And he did a reacting to Swifties okay. thing. Yeah. He ended up getting tons of death threats. Oh yeah, yeah. They're crazy. So, I mean, Britney Spears I maybe has some fans and that conservativeship thing was like people were chasing after that. The At least the advantage you have if you do criticize Britney Spears is her fans aren't rabid and totally current. Like everyone's kind of just like historical fans. Yeah. Taylor Swift has very motivated 
unbelievably motivated fans. So yeah, he had full on death threats from what well, he said. Well, because uh, Britney Spears doesn't have 13 year old fans. Yeah. Right. And those are like the 13 year old girls, maybe the meanest, <laughs> meanest iteration of a human <laughs> that can the, possibly exist. Not get on the other side of yeah, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Hamas and then 13 year old <laughs> yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you could like get, uh, you know, if Taylor Swift became uh, like Muslim or something, like like Islamic jihad, the, the West <laughs> would fall. <laughs> We'd be done. Yeah. I, I saw a video. This was before her most recent tour kicked off and someone had taken one from inside of a stadium. You know, you're in the, the gangway. And you're kind of walking around the side, maybe like kind of high up. And you could hear the music and see the crowd. And she's videoing the crowd like inside the stadium. And they're all singing along and stuff. And then she pans to outside where there's a car park. And there's 40,000 people in the car park. Yeah. Singing along with the show that they couldn't get tickets to get into. Oh, inside. for sure. I mean, my, my friend, he has a six-year-old daughter. And his daughter was like, I want to go in Toronto to see Taylor Swift. And he went and looked and tickets were like, two tickets were $5,000 to get in, just to get in. We're not Standing. talking like, uh, like, I mean the, the Rogers, Roger center. Well, it's all resale. Cause it's like all scalpers buy them. So you, it's the only way to get them really other than like this lottery, but everybody was complaining. I mean, it, it, made it, this it is made it to Congress to being like in sub-Saharan Africa and wanting an American <laughs> yeah, visa. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But it made it to like, con like Congress was even talking about it because the scalpers were getting them all. And then the markup was so insane. Like it was, um, we actually had a guy who on our boys cast Patreon uh, called in or like not called, sent in a message. And he had wanted advice and he's like, I want to go, I have tickets for Taylor Swift in Denver and I want to take this girl on a first date. And then we looked up the resale price. He's like, should I take this girl on a first date to Taylor Swift? And we looked up the resale price and they were like $2,000 a ticket. I'm like, you can't take a girl on a first date that costs five grand, yeah, like yeah, after yeah. or whatever, uh, four grand and then everything else. I'm like, no, you just can't do that. I'm like, sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much, shooting. too much. Yeah. Oh, so these, these scalpers are like the Martin Shkreli of Taylor Swift concerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They bought, like, fucking Dexa yeah. Pro or whatever yeah, it is yeah. and then pumped the price up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they just, I mean, they're opportunists and they, uh, but they have all these crazy, like, pr programs and stuff that are able to... Ed Sheeran had a thing. I'm, I'm pretty sure you had to submit ID for each individual ticket to kind yeah. of get around this. Yeah, there's some that do that where you have to just like, I, I can't remember who, but you have to like show ID. She's going to make a billion dollars from this tour, I think. Yeah. It's like the most, already the highest grossing tour in history. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, good for her, I guess. Fucking I wild. I don't, I don't listen to it, but I mean, I, I'm not the type of person to, you know. Dude, there was a, so in that, people should go watch that Papa Meat video once they're finished with this. It's, it's pretty fucking interesting. Um, she did a movie it was like a Taylor Swift movie. Yeah, yeah, it was just like a concert. Yeah, I think so. Maybe, and it was like maybe a behind the scenes tour vlog or some other stuff. And they must have given out uh, like LED batons. So it's kind of half like a party yeah. in the cinema uh -huh. whilst it's also yeah, yeah. the thing on the TV. And there's videos from inside and the credits are rolling and the girls have got out of their seats and they're stood underneath the fucking projector like dancing in a circle like oh all God. holding hands it's like halfway between a rave a seance a fucking sermon yeah and a cinema yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> my friend uh alex byron he's a comedian in canada he did a video where it was w at one of these movie showings or whatever 
and for Taylor Swift. And then he kind of like picked his spot where it was just before it was starting and everybody, they were waiting for it to start. And then he came in and pretended that he was work. He worked for the theater and he goes, sorry, everybody. Um, but we're having an issue with the, with the projector. So there's going to be, uh, we're not going to be showing the Taylor Swift, but instead we'll be showing, uh, the John Mayer documentary or whatever. And everybody, and then his girlfriend, just to get it started, his girlfriend started throw it. Cause she was filming, she started throwing stuff at him. And then like, people were like, boo and going insane. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. Really. <coughs> we went to, were you with us when, um, we went to, uh, cheesecake factory and it was the night of the Barbie movie. Jesus Christ. So I didn't know that the Barbie movie was getting released that night. Okay. And we went to Grosvenor Center. What's it called? The Grove. The Grove. The Grove. Oh, yeah. In LA. Yeah. Dude. So we get out of the car and it's just armies of women in pink. Yeah. Like New York was like that too. Fucking platoons of them. Yeah. Did you see it? I didn't see no, it. No, I haven't I seen it. I haven't seen, I haven't it. seen it. No, I don't see movies like I used to. No. Uh, well, it bums me out. They recently did a Killian Murphy and Margot Robbie did a like thing together, like an interview. I think it was for Vanity Fair or Variety or something like that, where they they like finally got those two, like the Barbenheimer, yeah, yeah, together thing to That's have a funny. conversation about each other. Uh, I got a vasectomy due to climate grief. Now yeah, I'm yeah, the to CBC, right? Plan. We just <laughs> talked about this on the voice cast. What do you think? I, I mean, the n natural logical conclusion is if you are so worried about human impact on climate you kill yourself right if you really care right like isn't that like okay well you know if you want to get a vasectomy i can do you one further right it's crazy i mean these people are mental they're they're their brains have been so destroyed with uh this like anxiety and fear about the future like you know Civilizing humanity is not the type of thing you want to bet against. Like, there are, it kind of always finds a way, you know? Like, everybody's like, oh my God, we're doomed. Like, this doomerism, it's probably existed forever. There's never, and you know, and yet here we are. So, I don't know. What, what do you think about it? For about a year and a half, I'd been offering to get a vasectomy to do more than just talk about how the world didn't need any more humans. In and around our old Nova Scotia house, I'd periodically make that horizontal scissor mime. Uh, scissor mime. <laughs> To reiterate my offer, news of rising temperatures on the kitchen radio, finger snip. Atlantic Ocean looking more and more disturbed, finger snip. Even back then in 2007, the North Atlantic hurricane season was intensifying due to climate change. <laughs> snip, snip. <laughs> Daryl, my then partner, called out from a few rows back in a crowded flight. We'd originally been seated together but relocated so a mum could sit with her kids. When I look back over the packed seats amidst the roar of burning engines, she smiled at me and mined a scissor cut with two fingers. Yes. She finally said, in a gesture, gesture understandable only to me, my then partner called out. This sounds like a guy who did and now is no longer with the person who... Yeah, also an interesting thing here, because this is an ultimate in virtue signaling, obviously, to say, like, I'm saving the planet by not reproducing. And then they insisted on including... No, but they insisted on... It's interesting. They insist on including, which is unnecessary, that they were not they were sitting separately because they had to give up their seats so a mother could sit with their child <laughs> <laughs> like that's like a weird thing you're like okay you didn't have to say that other than you just have to be the best the best human yeah. possible and everybody else who's reading this is just scum that's part of why it was so thrilling when my now wife giselle vol voluntarily mentioned not wanting kids on our first date three years later we got married and moved in a kind of working honeymoon to sweaty equatorial singapore admittedly our next four years of travel around Asia made us more a part of the climate crisis problem than the solution. <laughs> <laughs> 
Basically, I decided to carbon offset my destructive, selfish lifestyle by not propagating my own DNA and instead traveled the world. This is like a borderline onion article. Yeah. From not that long ago. And it's but this is the CBC. This is right. this is Canadian broadcasting. This is government funded uh, propaganda right here. Did you see I came up with this idea of toxic compassion? Do you read my little... Uh, no, I haven't seen that. All no. right. So uh, toxic compassion is the prioritization of short-term emotional comfort over everything else, over truth, reality, actual long-term outcomes, flourishing, everything. It optimizes for looking good rather than doing good. People would rather claim that body fat has no bearing on health and mortality outcomes to avoid making overweight individuals feel upset, even if this causes them to literally die sooner or have a worse quality of life. People would rather say that children growing up in single-parent households suffer no worse outcomes than those from two-parent homes, even if this misleads parents, children, and teachers about why kids behave the way they do. Campaigners would sooner shout defund the police as a response to what they perceive as unfair treatment of criminals, even if this results in more crimes being committed against people from those minority backgrounds due to the abandonment of police officers from those areas. So it's people that say what they think sounds good, but ultimately might net a negative outcome. And Peterson said, it's the prioritization of short-term emotional comfort over long-term thriving. It's going to hurt now, but the consequences long-term are positive. Yeah, you just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But you disregard what the actual long-term outcome is. The same as with this yeah. bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, I'm actually just listening right now to... Um uh, Jonathan Haidt, the coddling of the American mind, and mm -hmm. and they talk about like he's he's talking about like all the safetyism stuff, where essentially it has these actual uh, like negative outcomes, you know, because some kid got like abducted in like the seventies, and then they like essentially um, were were clamping down so hard on kids that it actually made them worse off, you know, because you just you, you don't let them go outside and you, because like, you know, obviously it's tragic that a kid got abducted or whatever. There was actually, he talked about, I can't even believe this. I had to look it up yesterday. In 2015 in Missouri, this family, in order to teach their six-year-old a lesson about not going with strangers, abducted him mm. And like renditioned him and from like a mall and they put like a bag on his head and then they it's like a mock execution. Like basically like the craziest lesson you could ever imagine. And then this they, trauma they, they, is going to teach you not to let it happen yeah, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, don't go home with strangers or whatever. And like I don't even think he did. Like I don't think there was they an just incident. Abducted him. They just abducted him to kind of teach him this lesson, uh, you know, kind of get ahead of it. Preemptively. Yeah. Well, that's the fucking horseshoe of like helicopter parenting, that it comes back around to just super extreme mistreatment of your kid. Yeah. And in the guise of, you know, I'm helping them. You're like, this kid is going to have this trauma forever. The one, on the, other, the one on the other side that's like, oh, yeah, my kid will be fine. It's like, it's the same idea. My kid will be fine. My kid will be fine with me mock fucking abducting him. Yeah. From this thing. But there's no shortage of those kids who's, who were like, yeah, my parents worked and, you know, I had a lot of autonomy and I was fine. I, was, I seemed to be okay. I was fine. Maybe I got a little bit of trouble, but. You, you see know. the stuff about uh, peanut allergies, the increase in peanut allergies? That, that, uh, that, that? that was another one uh, in yeah. the Jonathan I thing was because they, it tr like tripled the amount of peanut allergies because they removed mm -hmm. peanuts. Yeah. So uh, if you grow up in a household that has a washing machine, like a dishwasher, that doubles your chances of asthma. And if you grow up in a house that has a dog, it halves your chances of asthma because you just get exposed to dirt. Right. So basically you're double and then you double again, the chances of it. it Why the dishwasher? Dishwasher presumably just cleans it's just the environment. so, yeah. in, in such a sterile way that you don't get the tiny little doses of germs. And the same for dogs, dogs coming in and out, bringing dirt in, like playing in the grass, et yeah. cetera. Um, so yeah, there's just ways where you can sterilize the environment so much that 
instead of it making kids and people safer, what it does is create such a protected environment that there is nowhere, that, that they never deal with any kind of discomfort. And this is culturally, ideologically, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, the exact same thing we see with toxic compassion. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop on uh, hand sanitizer being bad for you. You think? There's so many things. We were, me and Ryan were just talking about it, how all the stuff that used to be bad for you is now good for you. Like, remember, I don't know, if, but like my mom was very much, even still, she doesn't come around to, you know, it's like, you got to eat breakfast. You have to eat breakfast. It's like, you, you'll die. You'll have, if you don't eat breakfast now, everybody's like, don't eat breakfast. It's like, you got to eat. Now everybody's like fasting. Like, you know, it's all the stuff. It's, it's literally bro science has beat down mom science. Mm -hmm. And uh, mom science is just kind of reeling. But uh, it just... I, I don't know. I, I won't be surprised if it'll be something similar with the hand sanitizer where they go, people are hand sanitizing too much and it's causing a rise in whatever. Downstream from that, yeah. Well, we, we've we been doing these meet and greets after the show, uh, which is really great, but you do realize that like, if if anybody of these 600 people that I've just shook hands and taken a photo and like hugged or like, you know, like slap five with, yeah. if any of them, it's like, I've just got, I got it all. We did get COVID. All of us got COVID separately. James in Australia, Luke in the UK, me in Austin. We all got COVID about two months before the show, uh, the, the tour began. And we were like, tour antibodies, like, fuck yeah, like, we've yeah. done it. I'm going to be immune. Yeah. Immediately went on tour and just got wrecked by, like, other, like, oh, different didn't... viruses. That, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the nature of uh, of how it goes. But, yeah, I don't know. It's unavoidable. Like, I was, I was just on the train over here. One thing I, I still find so difficult to understand is couples where one's masked and one's not. <laughs> Because surely the one that's unmasked will then give you whatever you're trying to avoid, right? Like, am I missing something? But I see it all the time. You're like a couple where one's masked. But like how... You're going to get in the same bed tonight. Yeah, like you're going to kiss later. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's someone who's way smarter than me who can explain that to me. Because I, I see it all the time. Like, I saw it literally just on the train right over here. We were in Banff in uh, Alberta. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there was people walking out and about in what looks like the cleanest air in the world. Oh, it's like the, yeah, you can, like, yeah, it's, it's the best. The purest air on the planet. And, yeah, people still outdoor uh, masking, which, I don't know, I, I did reflect on this a little bit. Like, how I feel now about, like, someone in a car on their own or something, you know, when people wore masks in cars, yeah, on their yeah. own, or someone out and about in fresh air at this stage of post pandemic, like fucking non case risk. It does make me think people who were so vehement against any masking ever, like no one should ever have to do it. It's like, well, maybe just my judgment of the situation is that my sensitivity needed it to be a few years later. Yeah. Whereas they were like, even now, in the midst of it, even though we don't know it, that's like how... And I mean, do what you want, you know? Like, this is America. Like, that's it's the most ethos of this country. Is It's, it's more just like, do, if you want to wear a mask in a car, like, that's your right. It's The problem was when they were saying, you have to do it, and then people are like, okay, well, that's very much un-American, you know, to, to make anybody do anything. But, I mean, you, you, have you spent any time in Asia? Yeah, a little bit, not so, since COVID. But. but so they've been, you know, like I, I traveled in Asia 15 years ago and, you know, you'd walk around and everybody's wearing masks. Yeah, that like, was for uh, air quality and stuff, right? Well, air quality, and I think they had had some kind of smaller pandemics and okay. they just are generally, and I look, I do think if you are very uh, like strict about it and, you know, proper, I'm sure it does somewhat lower your mm. uh, 
risk of getting ill to well, there's like some a, degree. You could play a pretty good I just, game. I just don't care that much. <laughs> you could play quite a good, we, we actually did play a pretty good game of Asian or COVID, mm-hmm. which is like, why are they wearing the mask? Is it because of like historical air quality? Yeah. Or is it because of COVID? Yeah. I heard in Thailand, actually, someone explained to me that some people, because they wear these really big masks that go like mm-hmm. literally here. And it's because they, their class system like many other places, is the more tanned you are, yes, the lower the, class, you the are. lower class you are. So it's and skin whitening is huge in Thailand, dude. I went to Thailand. I saw this. The girls that worked at the front of the uh, restaurants, the secretaries for like offices, for massage places, all of that stuff would have like lighter skin. But you can see there's a line here, and it's it just completely drove home how culturally inculcated I was in the UK. For me to look at that and say, oh, how strange, like purposefully making your skin lighter because people who work in the fields are seen as like indigent laborers. That yeah. means that they're of lower status. The people who have white collar jobs that work in zo- indoors, they don't get tanned. How silly that you would try and lighten your skin. I go back to Newcastle upon Tyne, the place where the British version of Jersey Shore was filmed, Geordie Shore, <laughs> to see girls make their faces fucking orange right. to like give the appearance of, you know, I spend time outside and I can go to Marbella whenever I want. And, right, stuff. Right. and it's the exact same, but in reverse. Yeah. That, that's pretty funny. And I just didn't see it. I was like, ah, how strange. As I go back to Newcastle to get caked in fake tan. Right. I guess it's the quickest way to signal something, right? It's just your visually. S- visually. Like, you, it's it's the equivalent of wearing like a Rolex, you mm. know? But for... Such a strange quirk. I'll never forget one of my friends who's a DJ told me this story. We kind of the, uh, you said like, cultural thermometer of what you're used to anchoring off and what you actually... Uh, that you go to somewhere new and everything's upside down, fucking bar stools being turned around. He went and played a gig, DJ gig in South America. He's a DJ, he parties, he wanted some cocaine. He's like, I'm in like fucking Ecuador or Argentina or Colombia or some shit. He's like, I'm fucking, the source is here. Yeah. Like the, the fountain of cocaine <laughs> is here. Uh, so he goes to the promoter and he's like, can you get me some cocaine? And he looked at him and was like, are you sure? It's like, yes, I would like some cocaine. He's like, fucking hell, man. I mean, like, I can get you some, but... And he was thinking, oh, God, like, maybe there's going to be police. Maybe there's, like, a, the the um, prison sentences for it are really high, or mm-hmm. it's, like, very high. You know, we're going to involve ourselves in some gang stuff. What it turned out was that people who do cocaine in these areas, it's seen as super dirty. It's seen as a yeah. scummy drug. Uh-huh. But uh, was it... 3TB or something? What's that? 2CB. Yes, 2CB. 3TB. Yeah, the pink, the, t- the pink stuff. 2CB. Yeah, 2CB is seen as the high class shit. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so hard to get a hold of down there. Yeah. So he, the drug is the same. And in fact, probably of way better quality than the stepped on shit that you'll buy oh, on the street no, corner not in even fucking co- New no York. No question. But because the cultural position, like the map of that particular terrain yeah. was like, this is easy and cheap to get. So it just completely shows that the value of the thing is not intrinsic of the thing. It is the difficulty of acquisition and the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, the cultural and like 2CB is like, it's like hot. Have you ever seen it? It's hot pink. Yes. Like yes. it's this weird thing. And yeah. You're like, oh God. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I had this guy on my call-in show, uh, Johan Grillo, if you ever heard of him. I do know him. You know him? him? Yeah, 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 he, yeah, yeah. A few he's weeks. Great. Yeah, he's amazing. I was talking to him and he's uh, like a narco reporter mm-hmm. in, in Mexico or whatever. And he was saying actually like, yeah, cocaine is... It's like popular, but it's not the the most popular drug is actually I think meth right now, and and they have no issues because all the fentanyl comes over the border, but they have like no issues with fentanyl there. Like Douglas they, they Murray went to this him. place in Philadelphia. Have you heard of Trank? Yeah, yeah. Trank's like fentanyl's fentanyl. Mm-hmm. 
it's for people like who, like makes your like skin peel and just people yeah like bits of you drop off it's like leprosy in a drug yeah and um yeah he went to this place in philadelphia and filmed this i'm on like a campaign to get douglas murray uh, acquired by the daily wire yeah i sat down with jeremy boring the ceo oh, okay. and i was like dude you need to acquire uh douglas murray so anyway fucking jeremy if yeah. you're watching go and do it um but douglas went and filmed this thing he hasn't released it yet uh but yeah he went to philadelphia and apparently like trank has just taken That's over a new one, yeah. yeah taken over the city so like fentanyl or heroin not enough fentanyl not enough and then there's car fentanyl yeah which is like even more potent so fentanyl's fentanyl and then this is like car fentanyl's car fentanyl yeah trank yeah it's i mean it's sad that people are yeah i don't know to, to get to the point where you kind of <laughs> that's what you need like even fentanyl's not doing it for you shit that would it's just like a self-destruct on the head of a pin yeah is not enough for you yeah to. well you you do develop a massive tolerance like i had a friend of mine who's a doctor in um vancouver British Columbia, and they have they have a big drug problem there, and they've decriminalized all drugs. And she was telling because I was asking her about the fentanyl thing. She's like, "Yeah, the thing is with fentanyl is heroin users can't get heroin, or sometimes it's actually vice versa, where where people go to heroin actually because it might be a little uh, cheaper. I can't remember, but anyways, she says, you know, they use so much fentanyl that they just you you develop a massive Her tolerance to it everyone's like fucking passively smoking trying to get high on nicotine kind of but it yeah but but the you just you keep building up this tolerance so the people who actually die from fentanyl are the ones who have never ingested it and it gets yes. cross-contaminated yes. yes. and so they have no uh have you heard of spice is spice a thing over here spice is like it's like fake weed or something yes 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 so i watch a lot of cops the show cops it's like a guilty pleasure of mine and it's actually sad because a lot of episodes, like segments and cops, is they're like arresting someone for spice. I'm like, why is this even illegal? Mm. And the problem is because weed's illegal. It's all in Florida. Like mm. you always see people get arrested for spice in Florida. And I guess spice was like recently criminalized, but it wasn't always because I guess it's it like, you know, it popped up and then they take some time to make it legal. But it, so people are forced to take it because they can't smoke weed, which is harmless essentially. Like, I mean, not harmless, but relatively on the scale of drugs, it is, you know, like, sure, it'll, it, it might give you some bad habits or whatever, but, you know, relatively forcing people to smoke spice and then they're getting arrested for spice. Yeah. There's a, I think the way it works, I may be wrong with this. I mean, fucking spice expert, but I'm pretty sure that it, it is in a spray bottle and that you spray the, whatever the stuff is that you smoke with this particular solution. But I remember watching this thing on YouTube and this guy is wearing literally wearing like three pairs of fucking surgical gloves Ugh. because if even a tiny bit of it at this you know and he's like they're spraying at a distance like a fucking plant sprayer mm -hmm. and he's like if you even got a little bit of this on you at that concentrate it'd be like you know lsd yeah it would just completely destroy you um it's super dangerous so yeah it's just this that's one of the things i wish i'd brought it up with jeremy actually um but that's one of the things that i would criticize the like the right for this obsession with more newsworthy like sexy stories like stuff to do with like trans books in schools and all the rest of this shit it's like the fentanyl problem seems like like a really big deal that's just killing people fucking yeah straight oh, away but i'm not really hearing anyone on the left or the right really talk about that it's just like yeah it's, it's one of those things where just yeah, push it under the rug yeah i think so i think it's one of those things where uh you know you can't like you don't stop that problem by enforcement right it's like you almost have to stop the people who wanted which is you know the chicken and the egg war on drugs thing fix the fucking is people. you know it, like 
there's no way that you can stop every like you know um, truck that comes into the United States from Mexico. It's impossible. They can they they can maybe stop like even search ten percent of them. Mm. And the problem with fentanyl is is you need like a thing this big to kill ten million people. Yeah. yeah, because it's so concentrated. It's so concentrated, right? So is it is it right that it's supposed to be China that produces almost all? China. Of this is what Yoran Grillo told me. They produce the precursor. So there's like a precursor that you required. And then, so what happens is China and, and, but these are like, um, above the water, like above board, you know, like just legitimate comp pharmaceutical companies who make this precursor and, and then, um, Mexican cartels are essentially acquiring it. So presumably that precursor is even more concentrated. So you need even less of that. Yeah. I don't know if that's how it works. If it's specifically a concentrated form or it's just, it's just one of the ingredients right, right. that on its own is, I don't think is necessarily toxic or right. maybe it is, but it's not fentanyl mm -hmm. on its own. But if you get that one precursor and then you add it to a, this, you know, essentially like a, a recipe, I guess, you know, I, I'm no expert on this, but that's fentanyl what you're Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Jeez. But so, and then he, I can't remember exactly what he told me, but something along the lines of like, they had like you know the DEA tried to do some things with these chinese companies and then kind of like they're they're unable to really stop them because it's i don't know it's it's some sort of and i think china says you know we'll try and crack down on these but again they're they're not technically illegal because fentanyl is used by hospitals and you know like if you have some massive surgery they will give you some of these things yes as painkillers like they are like real painkillers but like anything they get abused so did you see Kim Jong-un wiping away tears as he asked North Korean women to have more children. Yeah. And then the funniest thing is they're all in the audience and they're all, the moment, uh, the moment one tear, they're all just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, assessments show that the fertility rate in North Korea has been falling for a decade amid increasing concerns within families over lots of money being needed to raise children and food. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un appeared to wipe away tears as he urged women to halt a decline in the country's birth rate. Mr. Kim was seen dabbing his eyes with a handkerchief in a rare moment of emotion as he addressed the National Mothers Meeting in Pyongyang. The Hyundai Institute report said that North Korea's population was expected to shrink starting in 2034. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what their demographic situation is like. Fuck, dude. The South Korea, I think, is at 0.6 or 0.8 as a birth rate. 2.1 is replacement. 2.1 is replacement, yeah. And they, for every 100 South Koreans alive right now, there will be four great-grandchildren. It's wow. a 96% extinction rate over the next 100 years. Jesus. Fucking crazy. Is there any country that's above 2.1? Yes, um, so like, funnily enough, the highest on the planet, Chad. Chad, yeah, yeah, just like the... Because they're Chads. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, no, yeah, that's the highest, but even uh, sub-Saharan Africa, every 15 years, the number of children that each mother has is decreasing by one. So it's a, I think it's about seven now, and then in 15 years, it'll be six, and then in 15 years, it'll be five, and 15 years, it'll be four. And so the average family size is seven children? At the moment, yeah. Wow. Um, but I, I don't know whether that is per woman or per mother, because that's different. There are some women who don't have kids. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, if you actually look at that number in America, the number is still the same as it's always been. It's like 2.3. Mothers have about 2.3 children or 2.5 children or something like that. It's the non-mothers that is increasing. It's right. The women that have zero. Right, yeah. If you yeah, have the... one, you end up having like two and a half. Yeah. But if you have none, you keep yeah. having none. Yeah, you keep having none, yeah. Um, so yeah, dude, that whole birth rate thing. But that's, that's one of the things that... Um, 
Do you know Peter Zion? Have you seen that dude? No. It's like a geopolitics guy. I had him on the show a little while ago. He did Rogan too. And um, China's population is going to half basically over the next like. That's so funny that they had their one child policy. Fucked it. And it was such a disaster. But at the time, it seemed like such a necessary great idea. Great idea. And then it was like maybe one of the most short-sighted things because you can't just like undo that. You don't snap your fingers and go, okay, back okay. to back to two or however many you want. You're like, no, the damage from that policy is 100 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Well, I mean, the choice between uh, like famine now or uh, like extinction later yeah. is, I don't know, like... I guess, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, they're because they're they have. I mean, it seems like everybody has huge demographic issues. I guess America, English speaking Western countries, though, can fix that, which is immigration. Whereas China is probably a tougher place to immigrate. Yeah, to. they can, but I mean, that's just kind of kicking the can down the road. If you have like a total global population yeah. like this, which is ultimately what matters, yeah, and you just start trying to fucking move chess pieces around so you yeah. don't get any more chess pieces. Right. That that is true. Yeah, I don't. Uh, because I, I had a, this is total conspiracy theory based on nothing, but when Roe v. Wade got repealed, that was that, my conspiracy brain was like, they're doing that because, you know, they, they gave America the the choice to have more. Reduce their fertility. To have more kids and they go, you're, you're not having more kids, so we're just going to force it on the you. And, and we don't care what, like, how they come in or what, they just, we need bodies. The additional conspiracy theory on top of that, which I heard someone give me, was who are the people that are the least able, if you restrict access to abortion, who are the people that are least able to skirt around the rules? The poor people that become the worker drones. Exactly. So it was just, we need some more fucking blue collar, like, mm -hmm. yeah. widget uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, the way the economy is set up is it's essentially, like, I don't want to say like a pyramid scheme, but it kind of is. Like, it just, it requires more people. Like, the way that, you know having steady like two percent growth every year that they aim for and you know like you just you need more growth that's all they that's that's how the whole game is set up is just more people mm. right they don't care who, like i mean obviously to agree you want which people but you just need more people i, I need to learn i've watched so many different explainers about how the global like currency finance system and this embedded growth obligation and debt-based financing and yeah. like if you continue to kind of grow it then it's almost like a ponzi scheme within itself where no one realizes that the new money is like feeding the old debt and well kind of and just new new like you know real estate for example like you just they always want to be building more and putting people in those things and putting people in those new houses they don't ever you don't ever want a scenario where there's just like those chinese ghost towns you know like and and that's how they kind of set everything up. So they're just kind of slowly just building more things, and they need people I, to take I, those I things. After watching and they need all more of these fucking things, dude, I still kind of don't fully understand how it works. I need. I should probably just bring someone. It's on the just show. more people. It's right, just, okay. just more people. Means more more people means they need somewhere to live, and they consume more. They buy more stuff. Like you know, that's that's uh, you know again some theories about why they're opening up the southern border. Is they're just like those people are still regardless of how you feel about it. And people are people. They're still people and they're still consumers. They still have to buy toilet paper and they have to eat and they have to get around. And, you know, most of them, uh, you know, some people are very uncharitable. I'm not. Most of them will try and work and they want to work. Obviously, some, because a lot of people are like, oh, they'll just, you know, live off the government tea kind of thing. That, I think that's a very small percentage of those people. Most of the people just want a better life. If I was in their position, I would do the exact same thing. If I lived in some Central American country with 50% unemployment rate 
And I uh, I knew that. I mean, it's crazy because they're not even all Central Southern Americans. They're coming from all China, China, whatever. And you know, if I was in their position, I'd probably do the same thing. Dude, have you heard what happens if you're a Cuban and you want to like escape Cuba? Oh, crazy! So we have a mutual friend who did a film event of some kind in Canada, I think, and told me this story. So he did this one thing, and then his brother did a different thing. I'm pretty sure he filmed the whole, filmed the, the entirety of this like fucking journey that he was on. And I was like, hang on a fucking second. Like, this is like seeking asylum from a war-stricken country. I didn't realize that Cuba, it sounds so stupid. I didn't realize that Cuba was like a place that, first off, you're kind of not allowed to leave doesn't want you to leave. And it's a communist you, country. Uh, that's every communist country is you're not allowed to leave. But you've got, the U.S. has basically got this rule where if you come from presumably Venezuela as well, and yeah. also maybe China, although I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, hey, we'll give you asylum. Don't don't worry. And um, yeah, this guy told me, so he did this thing where he snuck out at four in the morning from some event and it was literally like a game of chicken. So he was leading this team of people. Maybe they were, um, like videography team or something like that. And I think he maybe had a partner that was with him. And he knew, because he was the leader, that if anybody else left the party that he was a part of, he would be culpable. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I'm just going to fucking go before anyone else does. Right. So him and game theory kind of. Yeah, exactly. It's prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. And him and his uh, partner leave at 4 a.m. in the morning, like sneakily, like pack their stuff, get out, hitchhike their way, blah, 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 do all of this shit, nearly get stopped, get to the American border. Hey, we're from Cuba. Yeah. Uh, give us asylum. And then his brother does the same thing, but travels like by land from fucking Cuba through Guatemala, through Belize, through like fucking Mexico. Well, there's the whole thing. They all just, because it's only like 60 miles from Miami, right? Cuba from, it's, it's only 60. Is it really? Oh, it's so close. That, that's so, that, like there's all these. Um, Spit on it. There's all these baseball players because Cuba's like has some of the best baseball players in the world. Yep. And Dolores you know, Garcia is he Cuban? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Dolores, yeah. Guy. Yeah. Exactly. The guy on the Rangers. Exactly. And uh, they they've had you know endless amounts of good players, but they're not allowed to leave. But some of them are like, if I could just get 60 miles, like uh, El Duque, who used to play for the Yankees. Uh, I can't remember. Orla I think his name is Orlando Hernandez in like the 90s. But he just like. You know, in dead of night, they hop on like a make rickety raft, yeah. kind of like you know, and they get over. And if you can just get to shore, there's a five million dollar baseball contract waiting for you. Though. Fifty, yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred million for some of these guys. Some of these guys are like instantly, you know, some of the top Fucking players insane. in the league. But there, there's and you know they, they do like the World Baseball Classic stuff mm -hmm. where Cuba fields a team, and there's always you know same with like Olympics, and there's always like a couple guys who just Whoop. defect, right? But the problem is, is that. There's, you know, your family's still in Cuba. And so now you, like, they probably have some issues. Well, it's the, probably like a, sh a thing of like shame to a degree. Well, the North Korean thing is if you break the rules, it's not just you and your family that gets persecuted. It's like eight generations of yeah, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're extra. Condemn your fucking future great, 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 great granddaughter to being a, yeah. like a fucking minor or something. Yeah, like my parents are from Russia. And, uh, like when my parents left, my uh, mom's dad was in like the communist party in, in Russia, you know, like this is in the seventies. Mm -hmm. And when she left, he got kicked out. Like what? they gave him the boot and he was like a good, like, you know, communist, you know, he was like, he fought in the red army against the Nazis, all that stuff. Like he was like a war hero. And then 
they were just like, well, you know, you did a bad job raising your child. Yeah. Because, that collective punishment thing is one hell of a yeah, like a a, a motivator. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fucking wild, man. Do you see this undercover video shows Pornhub employees want porn to steer young people's sexual? Activities? I saw, you know what? I saw I saw that trending. I didn't actually watch the video, so it's just like a kind of Project Veritas type thing. Exactly like that. Yeah, employees of Pornhub's parent company were caught on camera touting the benefits of underage kids watching pornography and even suggesting that making videos of transgender identified people engaging in sex could help young people figure out their sexuality according to a new video released exclusively on the michael knowles show on wednesday employee dylan rice a senior script writer at the company script is, writer is seen, <laughs> they still do that i, I don't know <laughs> is seen arguing that pornography usage could be beneficial for preteens let's say you're 12 years old you're still figuring out your sexuality maybe even your gender wouldn't it be helpful to see a celebration but not just a, but maybe just a normalization of something that you think is what you want rice is seen saying rice went on to specifically reference a pornography site centered around transgender individuals remarking let's say i was 12 and i saw trans angels it would help me figure out what i do like and what i don't like um i mean i guess i don't, <laughs> I don't i'm not sure like you know I, I i haven't gone through every category of on um, the porn websites but i imagine there's quite something for everybody there do you know what india the second most popular type of porn in india is no breastfeeding Ugh. breastfeeding porn dude it's so strange so this is from uh, Seth Stephen Davidowitz's book um, uh, Everybody Lies and he his argument was basically you tell Google things that you don't even tell yourself or your journal or your partner mm -hmm. because it's what do you want not what do you think about like writing and reflecting on Yeah. and he looked at Pornhub data and it's just breastfeeding porn isn't big anyway it's not even big in like surrounding countries whatever the fuck's around India uh, it's not big Indian people, Indian men specifically, just seem to fucking love breastfeeding porn. Weird. Yeah. And what, is there any uh, theory as to why? He gave me like some, because cows are sacred. Oh, wow. This is like, like deep. A, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's like some fucking religious. Deep symbolism like, here. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this, I, I don't know. Like, I've been thinking this more and more about the, um, some of the expose shit that we see online. There was a, a screen grab of maybe a Tinder conversation or a dating conversation that went mega hyper, hyper viral of a guy saying that he wanted a traditional wife and the woman saying, that's really great because that's what I want too. And then he accused her of being a gold digger because she said that she would stay at home. Mm -hmm. And it's like early days dating or whatever. But it just like reading it seemed so not the way that people text. There was unnecessary exposition yeah. about the fact that they went for dinner last night and I knew that I shouldn't have done that. And she was like, what do you mean? I paid for the bill at dinner last night. Yeah. And it, it was like, this, think just, it's fake? this just feels a little bit clunky. Yeah, yeah it, That seemed like a fucking false flag. But the same thing with like some of the fucking secret camera shit and the, also the same for on-street interviews. Like the on-street interviews, the ones that make these compilations, like what... What didn't make it? Like, how many people said, oh. I'm just really looking for someone that kind of respects me and loves well, who, golden well, retrievers? Who, that, and that's not going viral. No. Yeah, so, it's, always, it's always the worst stuff, you know? And yeah, yeah you don't know. Like, the, the, like, it could be legitimately, we talked to a thousand people, two of them said the worst shit you've ever heard of, and that's the only one that's interesting, I guess. So, it's this weird combination of, is it legit? So is is what you're seeing contrived, made up, like that set of screenshots that I think was? And okay, let's say that that's not. Was this 
an unfair representation of what most people saw and then what does what they said actually mean is what they're saying what they meant to say yeah and is that actually how they're going to show up in how their it's life edited like oh yeah, man dude like it every time i think about it i know it's like flogging a dead horse about like oh it's so hard to work out what the facts are and you know, people can't even agree on what the word truth means anymore. oh we can't we can't agree on anything anymore like, it's wild it, it's it's insane every argument now is just everybody talking past each other it, it, everybody almost seems like when they're arguing there seems like there might be some resolution. Like everybody feels like someone will be like, they say the point, everybody goes, all right, yeah, 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 okay, we, we've we've sorted it out, but it's not. Everybody is just, you're on your side and that's it. It's, that's, uh, everybody's, you know, just picks a side and then they're staying on that side. It's very rare, I think right now, where people's minds are changed. When was the last time, I keep thinking about this on Twitter, no one ever actually breaks the fourth wall on Twitter and says, hey, that was out of order, like you can't say that. Mm -hmm. It's always this, like clap back satirical game of tennis where you're trying to be wittier or more cutting than what the last person said and it's all like sardonic passive aggressive like quote fucking subtweeting what the last person said yeah it's never someone like just going like hey hey that's out of order you right. don't get to say that no one actually <laughs> fucking treats it like an actual conversation no no no, no. I mean you know what the closest I've seen to some uh, which was like brought me so much joy i thought it was the funniest thing to to some sort of argument that resolved was in uh i posted this video about because since the um, it's been going on for a while it used to be like really you know dark web kind of uh stuff like white supremacist stuff but these charts of how jews that are representation of jews and things like in i don't know if you've seen it they'll be all like It'll say like all the Jews in politics or okay, the media okay. or whatever, and the, these giant charts. Remember Kanye? He he held up that he had his thing yeah, about the the remember. spreadsheet. Yeah. So then, once the war started, all these anti-Israel people were like, "Look at all these Jews that are." And so then I made this sketch, and it was the guy that researches how many Jews are in things. And I'm like this very just like autistic, just like I just like knowing how many Jews there are in things, and I just make <laughs> these lists or whatever of Jews there are in things. And it went like really viral. And then in the comments was this guy and is like, like he goes, "What's so funny?" Like you know, because essentially a guy is like who had his list, and then he goes, he goes, "My list is," uh, he goes, "Here's," my, and he had a, a drive link of a public list that he made and then he started getting in an argument with another guy who's like i have a list and my list is actually better it's <laughs> it's more thorough and then they were like in the comments going back and forth with each other about whose list of jews dick measuring competition but it was circumcised but, dick measuring yeah, but it was there it was they were just like who's has a more uh, accurate list of jews, jews that are represented in things and then they were arguing and then they finally the one guy goes you know what I, I looked at yours and yours is actually better than mine. And, uh, and then they kind of like became friends. Oh my God. <laughs> it was, and I was like, Oh my you God. You watched a burgeoning bromance. Kind of over. Yeah. In my comments, I, I screenshotted it all because I thought it was the funniest thing. And they, they essentially started off as enemies. Dude, it's been a fucking rough year for Jews this year. <laughs> like, but honestly, like between Kanye and fucking Middle yeah, East. Yeah. Well, like everybody's so surprised about the, the, what's going on now with the Jewish stuff. But, uh, I saw it firsthand with the Kanye stuff because when the Kanye thing, you know, I was commenting on that and, you know, like I was making sketches around that. And so I would see, go on YouTube on, on and it was, you know, pretty much all in favor of Kanye. So then, so I was not surprised now. People are like, what, the, what's going on? People don't like Jews, huh? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that for, that's kind of been, been bubbling up. I think I, that's always kind of under the surface 
literally for the last 3,000 years. But I don't have my head up my ass that much. I, I, I notice trends and I, I pay attention to shit as best I can. And I had no fucking idea that there was this much latent anti-Semitism. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's like herpes. It's like a cultural herpes where it just, it has these outbreaks, like these flare-ups, you know, and then it kind of like goes away and then it kind of flares up again. And then, it, yeah, it, it is really weird to see because I have some friends who, who kind of don't realize, because I get it because I comment on this stuff a lot. A lot of the sketches I make are like around this stuff, like the ones I personally make, not with like Ryan. And uh, yeah, and then like some of the, <laughs> you see like insane comments. But I mean, I don't know. Well, but, I mean, if people have started to use like... <laughs> the, the only thing I can do is just make fun of it. There's no, you know, it's the only... Even the episode I did with Peterson a couple of weeks ago, there was a bunch of comments calling him Jude and... Jude and Peterstein. Peterstein. <laughs> yeah, I love it. The problem is I'm like, yeah, I, I find it so funny. You know, I think a lot of Jews are, uh, don't find it funny. They're like, this is more serious. And, you know, I guess that could be determined. I, I sometimes joke about it where uh, I make too much fun of this stuff and then I'm, you know, getting put on a train and I go, ah, I made too much fun of that. I should have taken that more seriously. <laughs> Alex Jones tells... Tucker Carlson, that President Biden walks around the ha the White House naked, drugged on amphetamines and benzos, as Elon Musk says that he's considering allowing uh, Alex Jones back on X. Yeah, yeah, that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, guess, I suppose it's possible. Well, we've everyone's been. They should let him back on, though. Everyone's been uh, speculating for quite a while about what they've had to pump Biden with in order to roll him out on stage. Yeah. You know, like some, uh, like sort of punch drunk WWE star, like Hulk Hogan coming back for another. I need like a cortisol shot in the knee. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. get some like fucking opioids for my spine, <laughs> and I'm, you know, chiropractor's gonna come in and do this thing. I, I yeah, I don't know. He uh, he seems to have his moments for sure, where he's better, and mm -hmm. when like sometimes you'll see him talking, and you're like, oh, he seems okay right now, but then sometimes, but. I, I mean, I kind of joke about it. He's the only 81-year-old who we treat poorly like this. Like, if he was a, not like a civilian, like we would never, remember when he fell off his bike and everybody's like, that fucking idiot fell off his bike. And you're like, he's an old man. Yeah. Well, you pick him up and be like, hey, <laughs> yeah, you're like, like are you okay? You yeah, are you okay? Like, can we get you? And now we're just like, ah, he fell off his bike. But I guess when you're the most powerful person in the world, there's a, That's so there's right. a higher standard. That's so right. Like, Everyone's really mean uh, to old people. He's like a sweet old man. That being said, or not I think, sweet, maybe not sweet, but yeah. I think uh, someone highlighted that if Trump gets in office next year, he will be older than when Biden got in office. I in believe his so. First yeah, term. yeah. Trump looks older. Does he? Yeah, I haven't seen him recently. Mm, uh, uh, he, showing the old age on the face. Uh, he yeah, he looks. I mean, again, I don't know what the kind of curve is. Like the aging curve when I, I've, I've seen some people say it's almost closer to a step function. Well, yeah. Like you just like you age kind of like it, it kind of really hits you. Yeah. It really hits you. Cause he does seem more than four years older than he was four years ago. The, uh, well, there's that photo, that famous photo of uh, Obama, right? Like before and after presidency. It's every president. That shit ages you. I, I mean, when you have to press a button and kill a village, that so has to take a toll on you. Do you know how they do the, um, yeah, like fucking uh, nuclear football? Do you know how that thing works? No. I found out from this guy. It's so fucking fascinating. So there's 130 missile silos, IBCM nuclear missile silos all around the States, right? 
at each one of those, at all times, there are two officers, and both of the officers have keys around their neck. Now, what you would think would happen is there's a nuclear football that goes with the president, and that it's got a special piece of paper that they snap in uh, like a wax seal. They snap that, they pull it apart, there's a piece of paper inside that's got a code. They enter the code, that then triggers the silo, the people get the code, enter the code, turn the keys at the same time. The reason you have two people is so that one is accountable to the other and mm -hmm. so that one person can't do it on their own, but also that you don't get, I think it's called like willing dissenters or okay. something. So that one person, it's like there's pressure, mm -hmm. right? It's like, no, dude, this is your job. Like we've got to do the thing. But obviously one of the problems that you have with doing it that way is if you're fucking, if you're the guy that the silo comes off, both of you can be nervous about doing it. So we're about, I'm about to fucking turn the key and kill like, God, like thousands of people or something. So every 45 minutes or so, every single silo around the entire US has one of these things happen. Really? All of them. And then the guys get their keys, put them in, turn them, enter the, like, enter the code, press the fucking button, and then they go back. So they- What? Yeah. Every, less than, it's like around about every single hour, and I think they're on eight-hour shifts, and there's like whatever the bunches of people, so 24 hours a day, 365, this is happening. And they always go off. It goes off all the time, and they don't know if it's real mm -hmm. or if it's another one of the drills. Yeah, it's just a drill. And yeah. they just have to, and the reason that they do that is when it does happen, if it does happen, when it's real, it's just you've been programmed. It's like, this is part and parcel. Yeah, it's just like the But you'll have heard the memory. stories from Russia. It's the opposite there. So it's the most junior members of staff that do that. Oh, some of the most junior intelligence officers that have the keys because it's kind of a bit of a droogy job. It's like mm. put the key and turn it, press the button, blah, yeah. whatever. But in Russia, it's the opposite. It's the most senior members of staff. But you'll remember, like, there's like three times that we've come basically super close to nuclear war. And, oh, it turned out to be like pieces of foil that were in the sky yeah. or like the glints of birds or something or some misreading on the There was radar. a submarine one in Correct. where they uh lost contact and they they basically had some sort of order like I can't remember the exact story I think I heard it on coast to coast or something but it's like a famous like a US submarine they mm. they lost full contact and essentially like the protocol was that they, they believed that they were under Press nuclear attack button. and they had to do it and then some guy Willing to center. He, yeah, he so. overrode. He goes, no, we're not doing yep. it. And then he was right. And he, so it, had he not been, they would have just accidentally launched. Yes, started, crazy. Started. So that, that happened like, I think at least two or three times in Russia. But this in the US, this is the final like fucking kicker that I learned from this dude. And he said that um, not only is it all of them happening almost all the time, 24 hours a day, 365, and they don't know if it's real or if it's fake, but all of them are part of one network. So all it takes is for one pair of people to enter the code. And they all fire? And they'll fire whichever one needs, because they're all pointing at different places. Yeah. Like, I can be in fucking Iowa, and the Wisconsin fucking thing goes off. Even if So you need, like, one pair of people out of 130 pairs of people who also have the accountability of each other and also don't know if it's real or if it's fake. And then I guess just one day, if it ever happens, one day you're just gonna fucking like put the code in and then hear Oh and be God. like <laughs> That's insane. Your holy shit. It's that's, so fucking wild. That's wild. I had no idea. I always thought it was just the president goes enters the thing and press goes the button, press it. literally I, I see some people. You just open a briefcase, there's a button, you go whack. Whack and No. Wow. Fucking cool. Um, probably better though that way. What have you reflected on about this sort of Matt Rife? fallout have you thought about this much i thought you know honestly i 
feel like I, I know a guy who uh, who like opens for him, and I, I, you know, he has a unique situation because his audience. One, he got famous super fast. His audience is all women, mm. right? It's like ninety. It's the opposite of our audience. <laughs> like literally, it's like all women. And uh, I think when this stuff, like, he, it was a basic joke. It, w- it wasn't anything that crazy. But I think he, Matt Reif, probably w- wants to be like, I just want to be a comedian for everyone. So I, I think he kind of leaned into this controversy because it allowed him to kind of just... Um, Shave off a bit of the audience. Yeah, you go, I'm going to get rid of the 10% of the most annoying audience that uh just kind of you know it's maybe a little fair weather and i you know i don't want to cave to the demands i just want to do what i want mm. and th- he might have been able to replace those 10 percent with a new 10 percent of guys so net net it probably is a better move so that's kind of how i read it he's just like look i'm a, a comic i'm not trying to cater to a specific audience do you think that that playing it that way because he then posted like the instagram story of the special needs help yeah yeah he's thing. just trying to be like that's just comic stuff do you think that that's given him or will give him more legitimacy in like the comedy world not that he doesn't already have it but yeah uh i mean i don't think he needs like legitimately per se like you know he's he sells five thousand tickets a night like right. he's already that's legitimate enough. yeah that's legitimate enough i think he just wants maybe to not be pigeonholed as, yeah. and nobody really does I think as a comedian, so I think he he just wants to say, hey, you know, I'm not like some just handsome dude who's not doing jokes. You know, I can be funny just like another comedian would, which I think was probably a smart move for him. I think I told. And you. then you get also just all the people complaining about you, and it just raises your profile because you know he was on TMZ. Everybody's like, oh, this guy. So I'm sure lots of people didn't even know who he was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Rogan said his show has never had as many plays as when CNN was featuring him. Exactly. Yeah, so the the Streisand effect, if you use it right, it can be pretty powerful. The, and there, you know, it's, it's saying, but there is really no no negative publicity, you know, like as long as you're not doing something like criminal, I suppose. Yeah, but. yeah. I told you about this last night, but um, Sam Harris talks about digital leprosy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is almost like um, uh, purposeful leprosy or like elected leprosy. So th- Sam's point being that he gets into different furors and 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 debates or whatever on Twitter, but now doesn't have Twitter. So bits of his audience might be mad at him and be leaving, but because he's not there, he doesn't notice it. Kind yeah, of like a know. leopard, like the fingers fall off and the foot <laughs> falls off and they're like, oh, like I didn't feel it. But I wonder whether um, Matt, in some regards, almost was like, oh, this is my opportunity to cull some barnacles off the bottom of the ship Absolutely. that I don't, I don't want. Yeah. Uh, so if I lean into this even more, I'll get rid of like a little bit of more barnacles too. And I mean, what's he supposed to do? Apologize? For a joke, like there's that is like the number one rule of comedy. You do not apologize for your jokes. I asked uh, Schultz this last year. Do you think that there are, is there such a thing as a joke that shouldn't be told? I mean, if it constantly bombs, I mean, that's (laughs) the only thing. Is it funny? Is it funny? And is it not funny? you, You know, obviously. That but that's like the starting point. Is is it funny or is it not funny? If you tell a joke and it constantly bombs, and you go, yeah, don't tell that joke, then you can get into you know more like a craft kind of stuff where you say, hey, is this the is this a good joke? Because there's bad jokes that do make well people laugh. that yeah. make people laugh, and there may be cheap jokes or whatever. Then you can start getting into that. But you know, every comic has they they have to make those decisions for themselves. That's exactly what Schultz said. Yeah, literally, he was like. I, I said, is there a joke that shouldn't be told? And he said, is it funny? And I was like, yes. He said, tell it. Yeah. 
tell if it's, it. If it's a funny joke, you're allowed to tell it. Yeah, exactly. You're allowed to tell it. And then if you want to say like, you know, some, every comic sometimes will come up with a joke and then you tell it and it kills and you go, feels kind of cheap, you know, for icky. whatever reason. What's like a... Not, it might not even be, it might be icky because it's just like, ah, it's kind of hacky. What would, what, what's like an example of something like Just like, like what we were talking about with the, you know, you're just, comics are talking about their lives and then, right. you know, you talk about your life. Like air, it was the airplane stuff going through the airport right. sometimes or whatever. And you're sometimes be like, ah... It's like that's a funny joke, but you know maybe it's not the best take like on a it. Biden falling off a bike joke, or something. kind of. Or I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, because comedy has shifted because of um, the speed at which it used to be. Like a lot of comedians would put out a new special every like four years, kind of thing. And uh, now it's a little quicker because in order to tour and just the amount of, amount of comedians, but a lot of comics will comment on the same stuff, like you know Jeffrey Dahmer show came out and then there's 10 comedians you know you might be the first but then eventually you, everyone's doing jeffrey everybody's dahmer bits. everybody's doing jeffrey dahmer bits and then you got to be like okay do i have the best jeffrey dahmer bit or am i at least there's like it's almost like an arms race to get it out there to be like at least i'm the first one to get it out there because you definitely don't want to be the guy with the special with you know the 10th jeffrey dahmer bit uh right but everybody's watching the same stuff right now like, and all these things are the biggest cultural things, you know? So if you want to comment on the thing that everybody is seeing, uh, I mean, the classic thing would be Trump with late night, you know? It just, it became so trite and it ruined these comedians. It literally like ruined their brains. You know, they were constantly just, all they could talk about was Trump and it was, uh, and it was dishonest how they were talking about it. And people kind of, you know, at first people were like, yeah. And then even people on the left were like, okay, this is, this is just hack. Tack. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we were talking um, last night about this sort of fallout from late night show hosts trying to come and do less scripted, more just banter yeah. stuff. And you kind of get to see like who's swimming naked there. As They're well. all swimming. I mean, it was for that Strike Force 5 thing that they did, the five uh, late night hosts during the strike. And uh, I watched it. It was terrible Painful. it was well it was literally a zoom call between five guys they had nothing prepared they just and you know they the very classic like they told you know stephen colbert was telling some story about some famous dictator's pants that he had and like some famous i can't remember but it, like some dictator like dated his mom or something in like the 60s like I, memorabilia I or some bullshit yeah and he's like i have his pants and then they tell some story about like buying i saw sammy davis jr jimmy kimmel's like yeah i saw sammy davis jr like a store okay yeah and it's just like it's just so banal and mundane and you know they, you can tell they're like yeah these the crazy thing is these guys have all 20 writers yeah. and the 20 writers still are not cranking out much what do you think's the future what's the what's the future of comedy from where you're seeing it? Like I, one of the trends you've seen is that specials are having to be paced up more quickly yeah for sure louis louis was kind of the first guy who pressed the accelerator but now you know yeah you have to especially if you're talking about certain things it just it gets stale so you either put it out or you just can do it uh and then stop doing it which is not is there a, a is there a delicate balance between showing enough of what you're working on that are good jokes on Instagram or TikTok or whatever to be able to sell tickets for your shows versus not releasing your entire special in 45-second chunks in yeah. advance of the special. Yeah, yeah. I, and you know what? Sometimes th this is kind of a newer thing where a, lo a lot of comics will, you know, when they go on the road, they'll have a, a little time devoted to just kind of stuff that's in the news. 
and they're not the most polished jokes, but because they're referencing something so current, they actually will hit well. And then you can release those because those don't actually really make the act. Right. Yeah. Those will like like Mark Norman, Sam Morell does a good job of that. Ryan does a good job of that. Um, but yeah, they'll just kind of like just it's almost like how we comment on something on a podcast, you know? Oh, this shit happened. Britney Spears, you see that video exactly. Britney Spears? And, and you know, you're not really it's not good enough where you're like, this isn't gonna make Britney the Spears act. isn't gonna be a part of the special. Yeah, it's not gonna be a part of the special, but we can talk about this today and this one weekend at this show, and then I'll clip this, I'll film this and put it out. Very and, good. And so you kinda What else? What else is happening in, in the world of like comedy? Comedy. I mean it's well. like it's really funny. Me and Ryan were talking about how a lot of uh, comedians are now like, 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 actor, like the actual celebrities are now becoming podcasters essentially because that whole world is fragmenting. I don't, I, I, you know, we're not really in it to be honest, but that whole world of comedy is, is getting, uh, very fragmented. Like, you know, are the people who are fans of us, I can't imagine they, you know, they don't watch late night. They don't really, I don't even know what comedies are on. Like, I don't know what a comedy show is on right now. Big Bang? No, it's been off. So that's you know, so, so funny. We talked about that. Mm. It's been canceled for like seven years or something. Has it? <laughs> but I never watched if it. If you walk around New York right now. You'd feel like it was. No, no, no. They have their, like the buses and taxis have all ads for it. Because that's what's going on with comedy where they're promoting a show that's been canceled for seven years like it's a show that's on because there's no good shows that are on. I know there's always Sunny in Philadelphia's on, uh, which is... Like all the good shows, comedy wise, are the shows that have been on for fifteen years. Like South Park, it's always something in Philadelphia. But in terms of new comedies, it's there. There's and I get it. There's you know you don't want to take these risks. There's a disincentive to comedic risk taking because of you know the climate, I guess. Mm. So and they don't and and you know the comedies that come out are just the most vanilla, like kind of mundane shit. And no, I wonder whether the them. distance, because South Park's illustrated, I wonder whether the distance that the people who make it have from the like actors that make the actual front and center on the TV show, I wonder if that's giving them a little bit more longevity. I, I, I just think that they're such a moneymaker. And, you know, like Comedy Central, like for example, Comedy Central doesn't make anything anymore. They. They just don't. Like, I, I couldn't tell you what they make. They just air reruns of their uh, properties that they have, you know, maybe Key and Peel. It used to be Comedy Central. If you got a special on Comedy Central, that was cool. It's not anymore. Like, nobody will say that, being like, oh, sick, I got a, a half hour. On. I don't even think they do half hours. They'll do maybe like these 10 minutes. But Comedy Central's YouTube channel, I've said this many times, but because I, you know, I do live streaming for uh, my call in show that I do on Tuesday nights. It's called Low Value Mail if you want to check it out, M A I L. But they have 11.6 million subscribers on their YouTube channel, Comedy Central, and they'll do these live streams of stand-up. It's like two, 300 people watching. Like They've absolutely killed their brand. Like, killed it. It's destroyed. I don't even think it could be resurrected at this point. So That's I, I, fucking crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, think about it. Like, you, you know, Daily Wire has to make comedy stuff right now. And I saw a thing with Jeremy where he's saying like, you know, Joe Rogan essentially was like, you guys have to make this. And then he's like, yeah, you know what? We do kind of have to make this yeah. because nobody else will. And there's just nobody, everybody just wants to play it safe with, especially with comedy. There hasn't been, I mean, I've been beating this because this horse, cause it's uh, just so crazy to me. There has not been a popular comedy movie 
like a big um, box office hit in now 10 years. What was the last one? Ted 2. Like if you look at the top 50 comedy movies of all time, by, by box office, the only one, like the most recent one of those was Ted 2. Wow. 10 years ago. Like there's just, you know, there, and it obviously overlaps perfectly with what's going on culturally. Tell you what, speaking of Ted 2, Family Guy is still going. Yeah. I didn't realize that it's still going. Where do you watch it? I, I've seen clips of it or whatever. It's on Fox. It's, it's on just, Fox. Yeah, right. Simpsons too. Um, but that seems to have really, I don't know, I remember in 10, 15 years ago, Family Guy was like fucking crazy. Hot. Yeah, they were. This is going to be, this. it made South Park almost look slow in some way. Yeah, yeah. Like more cool and more cutting and the, the characters are kind of a bit more lovable mm. and, and now it, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. I, I, you know what? I can't even comment on it. I have not seen Family Guy in a long time. I'm sure it has its, its moments, but again, it's just one of those things where it's probably just it's a big money maker. They're not going to really be able to replace it with something that is comparable. Yeah, I, Jimmy Carr taught me about this idea of a uh, trajectory being more important than position. So if you are hundredth in the world at a thing, but last year you were two hundredth in the world there is more allure and excitement around you than if you're number three in the world, but last year you were number two. Right. So basically your sort of trajectory is more important than your absolute position. And you're right with what you say about- Well, it's because it's more up, you're, it's, uh, yeah, like there's more upside. And, and there's more potential and there's more unknowns Correct. around it, right? Like once you're two, you go, well, you can only be one and that's it. And yeah. then we're done mm -hmm. thinking about where this could go. There's no daydreaming about what could happen here. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how high could they rise? Maybe even higher than the highest person. Right, you know? right, right. But yeah, that sort of slow decline. But yeah, man, I, it's one of those things. I can totally see it why people would- sacrifice credibility or cool or whatever. And it's not like they always purposefully do this. Sometimes people just like make calls that tweet things or say things or do whatever that's like, oh, fuck, I thought that was kind of cool or interesting or whatever right yeah. at the time. And it didn't be, it's not everything is a rational, purposeful decision, but a good chunk of it is just not keeping your eye on the ball. And you're right, Comedy Central to go from where they were to where they are now. And it was just all the kind of, you know, not to sound like some crazy like boomer or whatever, but it, like it really was the diversity stuff because they were, uh, you know, when I, I think everything got like, it was almost like a hockey stick when Trump showed up, like in terms of this massive overreaction, over course correction kind of thing. But, you know, they wrongly were overemphasizing like white guys like when people say you know they were they they put too many of them and but the problem is 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 how do you you know like you can't just like exactly um represent everybody like it's that's like communism essentially like what we're gonna have a exact representation of every person 12.5 percent. you know what i mean it's like it's literally impossible so they were overdid it one way and now they and then they went and they overdid it the other way but with comedy the problem was is that sometimes like you can't just, I know that you want to keep your jobs, right? And the only way to do so at the time was to say, hey, we need to like really make this super diverse. But like there just wasn't the people available to do that. Like you can't, like you can't just say, hey, this person's checks these three boxes. You're like, but that person's been doing stand up for three months. They're just not good. It's not nothing against them. And like I don't blame those people for taking that uh, thing, but you're like, that's just not how art should be it's a ruthless position almost to put the the elected person into as well because w what's going to happen that they're going to say no 
they're going to put the, like yeah. they're not going to say no but if they say yes then they they're kind of by all of the people in the industry that actually care they feel like they've got an unfair leg up and then they're like oh right okay so i say no to this and i maybe never get this opportunity again you yes never say no you now like comedians are never rarely turning down any opportunities like that so yeah you just you take the opportunity and and then but if you go look at the comments right like like comedy go look at comedy central stand-ups instagram page right they've kind of i think they've kind of seeing the error of their ways but in classically way too late but it's all these people who followed them for bill burr and dave Chappelle, and then they just started putting all these just kind of essentially amateur comedians on for the purpose of diversity which is truly self-serving because it was for the purpose of these people keeping their jobs right because they essentially it was like the tide came out and they were like man you know the tide's out and we're we fucked up we we put too many white people on or whatever. So then now we have to overreact. And then all the comments are like, what is this shit? Mm. Like people are like, this, where's the, you know, you got the like, where's the joke? And I feel bad for uh, the diverse people who are actually good because then when they get put up, people will think it's for the purpose of diversity. diversity right. And you're like, so it, it's an unwinnable position because if they wanted to say, hey, we're going to put the best people on, then there was a chance that it might not be representative enough, quote unquote. Because the thing is, there was, you know, when I started comedy, which is 15 years ago, a lot of women would fairly, or or at least say like, you know, they would be the tokenized person on a show, right? They would say like, we already have one woman on the show, kind of like you'd hear that, like a show with eight people. But also they were about that ratio of comedians. Yeah. Like it wasn't ever 50-50, like comedy is a guy thing, or at least was, and then, you know, when this stuff started happening, they were like, okay, we need 50-50. And you're like, that is not how you comedy shakes out. In the barrel of women. But that's not how it. comedy shakes out. Like, it's not 50-50. Like, it's not, if you took a master list of all comedians, it's not half women. It, it's probably now a quarter. Well, I'll tell you one interesting thing that I realized was, uh, I come from a nightlife background, the number of female DJs, right? Because you can be a good DJ, you can be an all right producer, and a very, very good DJ. So people go to see people that play good club sets that don't necessarily produce and make music that's absolutely banged and gone into the charts. But when you're doing DJing, there is, other than the selection of the things, it's not like you don't know who's doing it. Mm -hmm. If I listen to a podcast with a guy or a podcast with a woman, like I know, I hear what's yeah. coming out of them. And also they have different talking points too. But with DJing, it's like if I press a fucking Tiesto track or if a chick presses a Tiesto track, it is the exact same thing happens, yes. right? So from a performance standpoint, it's completely egalitarian. But from a lifestyle standpoint, do you want to just pack and unpack and live in hotels and be on the road and be up until four in the morning for 150 days of the year? Mm -hmm. Like, is that a lifestyle that you actually want? Yeah. But if you want to try and get 50-50 representation, you're going to have to like dig into population rather than uh, like industry yeah. Uh, demographics. Yeah, for sure. And you have to find people who are, you know, maybe, I don't know if in the world of DJing, not a, as qualified or whatever, but I mean, again, this is communism. Like, like when all this stuff, when we were in Canada and we were making stuff and then, and the tide started to turn on this stuff and like Ryan would have like a show at CBC and CBC would say like, uh, they'd literally send him a spreadsheet where you say you have to have all these things. And it was funny because Ryan was the writer, director, or producer. So that's all white guys. Mm. And so Ryan's essentially like, I have to like fire myself. 
<laughs> right? Because which is weird because he's like one. I don't need a. Uh, I'm like I don't need a director. I want to direct it myself. I want to. I want to do all this stuff myself. But then CBC's like, well, you're literally three white guys in this scenario. But then I would show my mom. I he's one third of a white guy. One, technically, technically well, no, you know that's the problem. Is he's he not two jobs away from people of color? Literally, that's how they see it. And then, and I told my mom this, and my mom was like, "Yeah, that's that's like what Russia was like. Like that's like what living in communist Russia was like. Like you, and I get, I get it. Look, there's always going to be someone getting the short end of the stick. It's there's no, and that's why I, you know." don't get too, you know, when I'm on, get told like, hey, we, we can, we're we not seeing, you know, when I was doing acting in Canada, they'd be like, hey, if you weren't a white guy, maybe we could help you out. But just that's how it's going. And I never really got too worked up over it because there's always been someone who was told that. Yes. It's always, someone's always going to get the, the short end of the stick. So you just got to take it, you know, like, I don't, I, I don't really know. I'm not going to be like making it my identity and complaining about it. I just go, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out a way. And I have, you know, so, uh, and thankfully there's YouTube and the internet and all that stuff where everybody can kind of carve out their own thing. Hell yeah. Danny, yeah. let's bring this one home. Where should people go? They want to keep up to date. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Danny Jokes. Unfortunately, on Instagram, Danny Jokes 2.0. I'm hopefully we'll get my old Instagram regular Danny Jokes back. But if you want to find me on Instagram, uh, Danny Jokes 2.0. Boys casts, as you see right here. Uh, my my, my, my life partner. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. My uh, Ryan Long, who is uh, on the road right now. But we do new episodes every Friday on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash the boys cast. And I do, uh, call-in show that I had that I referenced that I had Johan Grillo on I had Mark Dice on recently and it's I just love kind of like talk radio I've always been like a talk radio fan I don't know why but uh, every Tuesday night at 9pm called Low Value Mail M-A-I-L and that's the name of the YouTube channel and uh, you can check it out it's a fun time it's the only podcast where you can watch and call in and be on as you're watching even though, it's, even though it's just a radio show yeah, right. <laughs> but it. it's on YouTube but uh, yeah man appreciate it buddy appreciate you too thank yeah. you yeah.